This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Yes, another doggy bag edition of Instigators Overtime for our friends at Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Marty, so much to get to, and I honestly don't know where to start, but to keep it connected to the Sabres, I do want to dive in on the Amherst just briefly here, and the fact that they're going to sit here and wait until Friday's final game of the season and wonder if they will still have a chance because Toronto plays twice Wednesday, Thursday against Laval before the Amherst take to the ice against Utica. They have, by virtue of losing three straight over the weekend, let their controlled destiny slip away. However, if Toronto loses both to Laval, the door is still open for the Amherst to make it. What are you feeling personally? What are you feeling if you're an Amherst at this point in time? So remember the movie Dumb and Dumber? When Jim Carrey uh, goes to Mary Swanson and he says, that's a short list of names for the show. Just so you know. Okay. Dumb and dumber would be a great show name, but I think it's probably trademarked and copyright. But anyway, I, I will say this. He says, so you're saying there's a chance, right? That, what's what, what's that one in a million chances all about? Like that, that's what I'm saying is that the chance of the Amherst getting to the playoffs are slim. And we're not going to just sugarcoat it. They are slim. They would have to win and would have to hope that Toronto doesn't get more than three of their last six points, which it's possible, but they're very slim. So I'm crossing my fingers. I'm lighting up a candle. I'm doing all of it, but they're very slim right now. And I want to say this, and I don't want it to come across as someone speaking from a position of on high or arrogance or anything to that nature. But I do want to stress that I probably spend an inordinate amount of time watching the Amherst compared to most mm -hmm. who are covering the game. And we can all respectfully disagree. I understand that. I think some people have been unnecessarily supportive of the Amherst goaltending when it's actually been fair to be critical of it this year. And I don't know where any criticism of the coaching staff would come into play at this point in time when you consider the reality of the situation, which is the players play the game and in their most important weekend of the season, scoring droughts either continued or emerged for literally every top player on the team. Yeah. Marty, I have not seen an Amherst team produce more chances and unreal. Like, we're, like if you talk definition of a high-danger chance, you're never going to see a game in the AHL with more high-danger chances than the Amherst had on Saturday. And it basically produced nothing. So give, allow me to do this. Paterk, and this is not a criticism of these players. This is a reality check based on what they have done previously. And none of this lines up with what they've done previously. Paterka, two points in seven. And I thought he was amazing on Saturday. Yeah. Quinn, three points in the last six. 
Mersh, two points in the last six. Rutzelainen, one point in the last five. Byro, one point in the last five. Weisbach, no points in the last six. Murray, no goals in the last 20 games and no mm-hmm. points in the last seven. McKinnis, no points in six. Jankowski, no points in three. That is all of your top players. I'm sorry, but if they all go quiet at the exact same time, you will not likely win a game. It's not goaltending. It's not coaching. It was on the top nine and it didn't happen. And you know what? Go back to every NHL playoff surprise result and go, how come Ovi and Backstrom didn't score? How come this and this didn't score? How come it yeah. happens? Matthews it Marner with oh the Toronto gosh. Maple Leafs the last five years? It happens. It sucks when it happens, but don't go looking well, for a story that doesn't exist. They dried up. and it, You and have it, to it, also it, give credit to the like Cleveland goaltenders who were God, really Camp good. Like, had a career game on Saturday. Like, yeah. ridiculous. And, who and then was a guy yesterday, yesterday was making uh, his third appearance in the AHL ever. Uh, he looked really good. I'm oh. like, I'm watching the highlights and, you know, following along and he looked really good. So yeah, I got to give credit there. And yes, they dried up and um, okay. Like Rochester, you know, uh, producer Jeff asked me this morning, what if they missed the playoff was this, and we're not there yet. Was this, was this a successful season? Mm-hmm. Roch was in a position for most of the season where Buffalo kept calling guys up because Buffalo had injuries and they needed players. And then Rochester with guys to Buffalo had their own issues with COVID and players getting hurt. And like um, Quinn had mono and, and all of that. And so they were getting guys left and right. Did they fail to push at the end of the year? Yes. If they don't make it, that last week, week and a half is going to come back and say, well, this was bad, but all season they battled and the coaching staff, like they kept plugging along and they kept pushing and they kept getting results. I just think that you're right. they just hit a wall. And unfortunately it hit everybody at the same time right now, because uh, I mean, they outshot Cleveland 38, 22 Sunday, they lose to nothing. 38-22, they lose 2 nothing. I mean, that's the, the reality of it. Yeah, and the power play, which has been a strong point all season long, again, like all the players we just mentioned, it hit a dry spell, and it is what it is. Anyway, fingers crossed that they can somehow uh, have a meaningful Friday night game against Utica and uh, get themselves into the playoff mix. But, Marty, the injuries around the NHL are a really potentially big story again right now based on what we just saw this weekend. Well, we saw Sunday Alex Ovechkin get hurt. Now, according to Dr. TJ Oshie, after the game, he said Ovechkin looked pretty good. He didn't go in the, in the boards that fast. Ovechkin was on a breakaway, kind of tried to go to his backhand, toe-picked, went into the wall. It wasn't super fast. It wasn't one of those where you look back and you say, oh, that looked bad. Like, it wasn't. But he put his left arm up, uh, may have had a little bit of a left shoulder uh, you know, I did it pull something. Maybe uh, do I expect Ovechkin to, to power through when the playoffs comes around? Yes, I do. But you know, Carolina now, all of a sudden where they've had great goaltending all season long, lost anti Ranta in the game yesterday, they were already without Freddie Anderson. So they don't have their two goaltenders a week from the playoffs. Both goalies are hurt lower body injury. 
We know Antiranta has been hurt a lot over his career mm-hmm. and he's battled back. You got to give him credit, but that doesn't, you know, inspire me to, I think Ranta will be ready or hundred percent. Freddie Anderson last season in Toronto, we all know that he was hurt and it took a long time. Where is that going to do? So I'm, I'm worried for Carolina right now with their injuries, Colorado. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, with Carolina, I mean, Kachetkov yeah. got his first two games and yes. one was in relief and the, the Canes have won four in a row. So in the short term, they have survived this hiccup and we'll see. I mean, remember, this was a team that made headlines in the middle of the season when they coached Jack LaFontaine out of college and, and, and signed him to a pro deal. Yes. So this could be really interesting. The need for goaltending and I mean, wouldn't that be something if you had two inexperienced guys on your roster as a first place team in the Metro, like this could very well happen. And Carolina could play Boston the first round. That is not an easy team. And they swept Boston. They destroyed Boston in the season series, but Freddie Anderson was a big part of it. So we'll see. He was a big part of it. And now Boston went into Montreal yesterday, won a game five, three, Patrice Bergeron, two goals. Marchand is drying out. He's not scoring, but right. he's he's Brad Marchand. Pasternak played the night before. Saturday did not play on Sunday. He's dealing with a minor issue there as well. So Boston has their uh, injuries themselves. I was moving on to Colorado because yes. Colorado doesn't have Gabriel Landeskog. He's day-to-day. They don't have Miko Rantanen. He's day-to-day. They don't have Devan- Devontae's. He's day-to-day. Now, you were talking about Pavel Francouz. He did take a shot in the face the other day, but he was backing up last night. So he must be okay now uh, to be able to back up. But Colorado's got some big hitters that are missing right now. Do I expect them to be in the playoffs? Yes. Uh, And do I think they need everybody back in the first round? Probably not, but they're they're going to need their big guys coming back at some point. Well, they've lost four in a row. So are you, uh, you're not concerned at this point? My only concern right now is that Darcy Kemper started slow and Mm -hmm. then gradually got so good to a point where you're like, wow, Kemper could be in the Vesna conversation. Like he's gotten to that point and now he's dropped again. Colorado is six and four in their last 10 and lost four in a row. So um, I'm a little bit concerned, but I would think Colorado in the first round is either going to play Dallas or Nashville. I think they, they, I don't want to say breeze through, but I think they win the first round, even if they're missing two of their three key guys moving forward. Now what really? Yeah. You don't think, I mean, I I don't know. I, 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 I think Nashville, well, I guess maybe we should focus there. Do you think Nashville is going to make it now? Yes. I told you last week, I think that the, the West was set. I think Vancouver and Vegas were going to miss. So uh, mm. again, Vegas, heartbreaking over t- shootout loss to uh, San Jose on Sunday night after they were up by two, two goals given up with the San Jose goalie pulled. Uh, but I think Dallas, Nashville are going to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, Nashville battled really hard last night. He lost in overtime late 42 uh, saves from big save, Dave, big save, Dave Riddick. I was surprised that he came in, but at the same time, they have to give UC Soros a little bit of a break and giving him a break now may be more beneficial down the road. Like he's Mm -hmm. been overplayed. So, um, but I think Nashville is a great story. I just, and they got Philip Forsberg now at 40 goals, uh, Matt Duchesne's at 40. They got their big guys producing. 
Yossi's dropped off a little bit, but he's still Roman Yossi. I just don't, I think Nashville is a good story, but mm -hmm. I don't think that they compete with the top teams like the Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado, Calgary. I don't see Nashville competing with those guys. Well, I think, I think that's the question is are St. Louis and Minnesota actually more of a threat right now to come out of the West than Colorado? I will say no, but they're making a really strong case for being that threat. Minnesota, as it stands right now, they are kind of missing on Matt Zuccarello is hurt. Marcos Foligno is hurt. Dumbo is hurt. So there is some day-to-day -day things happening there. St. Louis to me is very healthy and they are buzzing through, uh, you know, they, uh, They, they were down to nothing after two shots against the Seattle, uh, not the Seattle crack and the Anaheim Ducks on no. Sunday night. And then all of a sudden it just went boom, 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 four, two before the end of the first period. Uh, they are, man, St. Louis is buzzing. I, I, if I had to pick a team right now between St. Louis and Minnesota, I think I'm going St. Louis. And why would you do that? Just because I know you like the wild. <laughs> no, I've been pushing yeah. the blues. You, you actually no, went I, the exact opposite. You know that. Uh, Yeah. I, I just think St. Louis is Cairo's been hot. Uh, you've got no, no, uh, Tarasenko. Not been hot. It's 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 uh, Thomas who's got a 17 game Bar point streak. Tyan McDavid and Tarasenko. All three of them Tarasenko. are riding monster streaks. So um, Cairo scored last night. It was a lucky bounce. It went off right. the defenseman, but they're they're just getting bounces. They're playing really well. Okay, the funny tweet was Jeremy Rutherford um, tweeting at Russo, I believe when Russo was tweeting about a nine or 10 game point streak for the wild and Rutherford goes, Oh, that's cute. I tweeted about that a week ago because St. Louis is now on a 16 <laughs> game point streak and Minnesota's at 10. So I thought that was brilliant. And honestly, the head to head matchups have been so good between these two, but think of that 16 game point streak franchise record for the blues. And they still are not ahead of Minnesota in the standings because the wild are on a 10 game heater of their own. Yeah, the wild's good. Uh, they keep rolling their two goaltenders in Mark Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot. Uh, Kaprizov is looking really good. It just, yeah, the is wild. This all, sorry, oh, is this is this all moot because Tampa is hot? Well, the, we're switching to the Eastern Conference. I think we're 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 losing a little bit of the wild buzz because other teams have been like wow like you can't stop looking what tampa did beating the leafs uh scoring eight beating florida eight four i mean is your camera lens blurry all of a sudden oh, yes it is let me see <laughs> what happened you know, like did a bug run into it while we were no, recording i think here. i spit you know sometimes <laughs> you talk so you talk so uh oh, I thought I was back at the concert last night and was looking through a smoky well, Everything's a little foggy, foggy. See, that's why we got to be in separate room because when I get intense, I spit. And it went right into the lens of my camera. What a shot. One in a that million shot, shot right there. Okay. Uh, Tampa's continue, hot. Continue, please. Tampa's hot. They're, I mean, Stamco's, they're power play. You're putting your mask on. I love it. <laughs> um The power play for Tampa is really hot. And that's maybe why I'm still hesitating on Tampa Bay a little bit because you know what happens in the playoffs? Penalties go down, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't get these power plays. And you look at Tampa against Florida. I think they had three power play goals. Night before that, they had two or three again. Kucherov, Stamkos, they're making plays out there on the power play. Mm -hmm. So not having that power play or that those power plays opportunities 
I don't know that Tampa would be in the same position. Oh, boy. That, I'm honestly. just hesitating on Tampa because they've let me down all year. I thought they were going to run away with that division, and then, boom, they, 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 they well, struggled a little bit. They still have 106 points as a two-time defending champ. I mean, I don't know how you could say they've let anybody down. You know who's let me down? And, and even last night, I'm like, uh, it's Andre Vasilevsky in the second half. Of but the Marty, season. 106 points. Like they might end up with 110 and you're going to tell me that, that they're a letdown somehow. Okay. Well, Washington's at hundred Boston's at 103 and they're just sneaking into the, yeah, but we, uh, we the learned from Tampa's 62 win season four seasons ago that it doesn't guarantee success. It doesn't. And I think what happened that season. And I remember John Cooper talking about, we did not face enough adversity in our success to be able to respond to getting swept by Columbus. Mm. Um, I understand that. I think right now Tampa is dealing with a lot of adversity this year, maybe too much to my liking. And you look at Florida, you look at Toronto, uh, you look at every team in the East or the, you know, Carolina Rangers. Uh, there is some tough teams out there that I think Tampa is going to run out of, of energy and steam at some point there. I feel they are going to be tired and will go around maybe, but I don't think they go to. Oh boy. I mean, Stamkos has been ultra consistent. Kucherov is close to a point and a half a game. Um, Ross Colton is well over 20 goals now. And that kind of came out of nowhere because he didn't have the hottest start. Nick Paul is contributing. Brandon Hagel will contribute. And then you've still got the old familiar cast of the Palats and the Kalorns of the world that are, you know, are, are going to push this thing along. I, I don't know, man. I, I, they blow me away. They absolutely blow me away. But I, I you're right. It's a, it's a coin toss. I mean, I want to think Florida's going to have a great go at it in this playoff season. But uh, and maybe I don't know. Brandon Montour <laughs> might be the hottest defenseman in the. Oh my God! He had the overtime um, game winner against uh, Toronto the other night. He oh, had a snipe cow. again. Hey, wh the, uh, when I Lightning? Brought, remember when I brought up? Because he's at eleven now. Remember when we were talking on Saturday in game that Darlene had risen to seventh and D scoring yeah. at thirteen. Did that surprise you as much as it surprised me? Um, like, I, I expected the defense goal scoring totals to be higher than that. Like I'm not it's because we talked McCarr maybe getting to 30, 30 at some yeah. point and whatnot. Yeah. And then yeah. Yossi being so hot, right? And Edmund's and over 20 and yeah, Edmund's yeah. over 20. And there's been a lot of really, really strong deep moments in the season where it catches your eye. Mm -hmm. Darlene does it like very much under the radar. Yeah. Like everybody talks about, yeah, Darlene's having a great season and he's mm -hmm. good, but as numbers are, they, I mean, okay, now we're going Sabres. Darlene's numbers, most points by a Sabres defense since Gary Galley in the early nineties. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is significant. Remember over the years, we talked about Ristolainen. and hey, he's got 45 points. What a season, what a season. Tyler Myers, what a season, what a season. Brian Campbell, what a season, what a season. Mm -hmm. Dallin has most points since Gary Galley in the early nineties, mm -hmm. better than all of these guys. He's, he's really like saying, forget about all these guys. I'm here and it's only going to get better. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's a real Testament to how he's stuck with, you know, uh, his belief of himself as a player and, and now he's being rewarded as is Don Granado um, for, 
the approach that they've taken. I just want to just double check one thing when it comes to the defense scoring, but um, you know, so as of Monday, he's sitting in 12th in points at 53 in 78 games and the 13 goals. Um, I, is 70 points out of the question for Darlene next year? It's hard to get to 70. Okay. It's top three guys get to 70, 80 points. I think Darlene can get to 60, 65 next year. Um, obviously being on the first power play. And if the power play continues to have success, the way that they've had the last two months, mm -hmm. he could push 70. Uh, he's he, what you're going to see out of the Sabres is their top four D their top two pairs moving forward are going to mm -hmm. be 24 minutes a game, 23 minutes a game. And that's going to leave, you know, what is that? That's 46. That's going to leave 14 minutes, 15 minutes at most for the third pair, right? So that's what you're going to end up seeing. So I believe Darlene's going to be on the ice a lot. And if healthy playing 82 games, 65 to 70, it would be my, uh, my prediction for next season. Okay. Um, before you lick the bowl, after we emptied out this doggy bag, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we zero in on the game of the week, which is Dallas and Vegas? Oh, anything I want to zero in on? Uh, Jeez. I'm looking at my notes from last night. Uh, just, you know, one, one last time for those who didn't see it. And those that did not uh, even know that they could see it, go to my Twitter feed and rewatch the amazing, amazing pregame ceremony in Montreal for Gila Fleur. And then go to Michael Farber's Twitter account and watch his expose on Gila Fleur, who he doesn't sugarcoat it. He talks about how Guy was a chain smoker and had his last cigarette in 2019 before getting quadruple bypass or was it triple or whatnot. And then months later came the lung cancer and the treatments and all of it. He doesn't sugarcoat it, but at the same time, it's just the reality of we just lost two legends of hockey in a week, both to lung cancer and both were heavy smokers uh, through their playing days and everything. So it, it is really a well done piece with facts to what happened, but uh, just how Guy Lafleur was and the loved. And I heard something today that whenever the Canadians needed him for an appearance, he would show up at the Canadians office two hours before the appearance and just was ready to go. Like really, really like wanting to give back to the, uh, with his generosity. So go and watch those two videos. They are just top notch. Do you plan to cry on Friday? I, I cried when they raised his banner on April 1st. So I think a crying is not even, I'll be sobbing on Friday at the end of the game. I don't know that uh, I'll be uh, really able to keep it together for the post game. And you, you and I have become, I've, I've had emotional moments on the, uh, on the, uh, you know, on the desk there during our pregame post game intermission, whatnot. I think Friday post game, will be uh, miserable emotionally. So not le, not les miserables, right? Uh, I, <laughs> it will be miserable, absolutely. <laughs> it's RJ's last call on Friday. If you're attending the game, fear not. You can use the Mix Halo app, is it? Or yeah, go to so mixhalo.com slash sabers. And uh, you can listen to RJ while you're in your seat. 
at KeyBank Center. So I think that's a great way to indulge in the final night experience because obviously in the arena, there's going to be the feel of RJ throughout the course of the night. So uh, we would love for you to attend and celebrate with us on what will be the culmination of 51 years of excellence for RJ. Last one. Can I ask you a quick question, Duffer? Yes, sir. Yes. Before we go to biggest game, Mm -hmm. do you think the Chicago Blackhawks would have an issue if the Sabres just pumped the uh, mix halo through their sound system the last five minutes of the game? I'm just saying, like, (laughs) you know, just have the play-by-play go on during the game. Last five minutes. What? uh, You're going to get fined by the league for doing it? Who cares? I'll I'll do a uh, uh, GoFundMe to pay the fine. Whatever. (laughs) Okay. I hope that we see that. I think that would be pretty cool. (laughs) Um, Dallas, Vegas stars are hosting Tuesday night. Winner doesn't take all unless you're the stars. Because in that case, Vegas is done. What happens? Well, it'd be interesting to see who both team start and goal, right? We know the Robin Leonard saga right now where he was, it was reported by Emily Kaplan that he was going to get season ending surgery, did not. Um, came back to back up yesterday, Sunday, who starts on Tuesday night. I would expect Logan Thompson to start who starts for Dallas, Jake Ottinger, Scott Wedgwood. There's been a bit of back and forth. Dallas needs that win. I suspect suspect Ottinger. Ottinger. I suspect Ottinger, but if Dallas wins, Mm -hmm. it is set. Vegas is out of this year's playoff race. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big game. It's in Dallas. Uh, If Dallas doesn't win it, it doesn't mean that Dallas is out and Vegas is in Vegas Correct. still has to play Chicago and St. Louis. They play back to back actually Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on Friday. So it, the road is going to be really tough for Vegas to get in, but Dallas has a chance at home. It's like a game seven, mm-hmm. almost feel to it. Six for Dallas. I think. Yeah. It's a game. Yeah. It's a game six for Dallas a with a chance to clinch at home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I like what you're saying right now. It's a, and you know that if you don't, then you got to go out and, and do it later in the week. Right. Cause Dallas has Arizona and Anaheim after, but they are home here for the entirety of yes. this week. So the stars have that in their favor. Um, Nashville of course has games against Calgary, Colorado and Arizona, but in a preemptive uh, strike, perhaps they should send Dallas some, you know, Nashville hot chicken just to encourage them to get the job done well, in case the Predators don't win the rest technically, of the Technically, all Nashville has to do is, well, not all, but they win one game, they get to 96 points. The most Vegas could get by winning all three is 96, mm-hmm. and then they'd be tied in regulation wins because mm-hmm. it would be 36 each if Vegas was to win in regulation all three. Correct. So, I mean, one win is all Nashville technically has to get. All right. We'll see if it transpires. Thank you for indulging as we have just done instigators overtime doggy bag. And we'll see you soon. Thanks to our friends at Seneca resorts and casinos.